Ah, it's finally Christmas. Yay, yay, yay. It's finally Christmas. Uh, here's the thing. Is that some even decorated since like Halloween. So you're like, I'm kind of over it. It's like, that's too soon. Now's the time to decorate, right? So uh, anyway, hey, so, so we started Christmas series today. It's baptism weekend. It was just one of the biggest parties around here. Some of you are here. You just, this is your first time here and you see hot tubs in the front. And you're like, it's a cult. What's going on? And uh, I'll explain all that later and we'll tie all this together. But I know we have a lot of people here maybe for the first time because you came because somebody that you really care about is getting baptized. And um, let, before we get into this Christmas series, let me just kind of tell everybody where we've, if you haven't been here, where we as a church have been over the last like three and a half months, we've been working our way through one section of the Bible. Uh, I mean, this is the Bible's broken up into different sections or books. And we've been in the book of Romans. Um, it, was a, it was a part of the Bible that was written by a guy named Paul uh, about 2,000 years ago. It was a letter, actually, that he wrote to some brand new Christians. They, they hadn't been Christians very long at all. They lived in a city called Rome, see? We're so spiritual here, right? So, so they named the book after that. So, so the, and by saying new Christians is they were brand new in their faith, what they believed about God, about, about Jesus, and they were trying to figure out how to combine what they, their faith, they were trying to figure out how to combine that with real life. Like, how do you combine Jesus with, like, family? How do you combine Jesus with, like, going to work and paying the bills and trying to raise kids and trying to go to school and work it all out? What, is, what does all that look like? And that's what the book of Romans is all about. This is what life looks like when you follow Jesus. And we've been looking at some big questions in here, really, really some of the biggest questions that you could ask, like, where did all the Jesus stuff come from, all the Christianity stuff come from? And we, we, we you know, had a big marker board up here and did a timeline way back to the beginning of time. And what's it look like to follow Jesus? especially in a world or in a culture that doesn't really, you know, kind of vote for that very often, follow Jesus. What, what do you do? Or what do you do when you feel like, and this is how a lot of our lives feel like, is every day is a tug of war between God and something else. Like, I know God wants me to do this. I think I, God should, I should do this, all that kind of stuff. But then there's this other part of me that still wants to do that, and it's different than what God wants me to do. And I feel like I'm in a tug of war. And how do you choose the right thing? Big questions like this. Why does bad stuff happen to good people, people I care about? Questions like this, where, where is God in my life really, 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 really hurts when life is really hard and I'm ready to quit and give up? And, and all through this series, we keep coming back to this, the, the same thing is over and over we find this is that there is this God and he loves you. He doesn't hate you. I know life feels like it sometimes, but he actually loves you. He, he reached out to you. He's still reaching out to us today. He's putting out his hand to us because we either don't know how to get to God or, or we're just too worn out or exhausted to even try anymore. So God reaches out to us. We looked at this phrase that's found in Romans chapter, chapter one. It, it says this, salvation. And whenever you hear salvation or the word saved in church, it, it means this, reconnected back to God. I was, got disconnected for a lot of reasons, reconnected back to God. My, my, my mistakes forgiven. God's unconditional promise of love, salvation. Salvation comes from God. It's not something you reach inside of yourself, believe hard in yourself and stuff like that. No, salvation comes from God through faith in Jesus to anybody, to all who believe. See, we, we, we just gotta admit it. We can't save ourselves. We can't pay for our own sins and mistakes. And we can't fix the broken parts of our life. I can't anyway. If I could fix the broken parts of my life, I would have already fixed them, wouldn't you? If I could clean up my life and you know, stop doing that and being a better person, I, I would already do that. So, so God knows that about us. So he moved in our direction. He offered us Jesus to all who would have faith in him, all right? And here's the thing is, God doesn't make you follow him. God doesn't make you do anything. God's never going to force you to make a decision. You know, the way we say it around here a lot is, it's like God puts two deals on the table and you can choose. Here's what God says is a better way to live your life, you know, run your life, stuff like that. And, and, and he says, this leads to a better life, but you can do this other thing. I'm not going to force you to do anything. We, we looked at this as, is, is that this is how God says, this is true. This is how life works best. This is truth. 
And then we look back at that truth a lot of times and we go, I know God says this truth, but that's not my truth. It may be her truth. It may work for them. But I want this other truth over here. And I think this truth over here will help my life. But it won't. It doesn't matter how much you believe that 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 truth is better than God's truth or wish or hope or even pray. I, I pray that my life works out with this truth that's not really true. It just won't work. But the cool thing about God is that he looks back and goes, at any time in your life, you can turn back to my truth and I'll take you back and I'll give you another chance. We, we looked at this, is that, this is the Bible teaches us this, is that there's only, there's only two ways to connect with God and you fall into one of these categories. Either live a perfect life and never commit a sin in your whole life and then you're fine with God. Anybody? Any, evil crowd, right, right, right. So then there's the rest of us and that'd be called grace. Except the free gift of love and forgiveness and connection with God that he offers us through Jesus. Then over the last four weeks in here, we've been in, in Romans chapter eight. We've been looking at how God adopts us, calls us his sons and daughters through Jesus. He created the universe, he's all powerful, but he looks at us and goes, I just want you to call me dad. That's the kind of relationship that I want us to have, permanent, intimate. And not only are we forgiven from what Jesus did on the cross, I mean, that would be enough. We don't have to go to hell, there's no condemnation, but, but on top of that, the spirit of Jesus comes and lives inside of us. And when Jesus lives inside of you, he begins to change you and transform you. Not, not all, of, all at once, but over time. He lives in, in you, and if he lives in you, and that's the big word we looked at, if Jesus lives in you, over time, you begin to change. You become more and more like him. We looked at, a couple weeks ago, this is a really emotional weekend here. We looked at God's promise to meet us and help us in our weakness, not in our best moments, not when we can muster the strength and meet him halfway. No, he meets us in our weakness. That's, that's where he comes to us. He gives us strength when ours, ours is gone. We even looked at this verse, it says this, when, when all you can do is kind of curl up in a ball and groan, because you don't know what to pray anymore, except lay in your couch on, in the fetal position, Jesus says, I can take that groan, turn it around, and I'll take that to God for you. He just ran out of words and energy. I, I, I've got that, I've got that covered. We looked at God's promise uh, that he'll take all the things in our life, good things, bad things, wonderful things, evil things, things that are your fault, things that are somebody else's fault. Who knows who fault they are? God says, I can take everything in your life and I can use it for your good, if you'll trust me. And that nothing in all of creation, in the physical realm or in the spiritual realm, can ever come between you and God, can ever separate you for, from God's love that he has to you. So that's where we've been over the last you know, two and a half, three months, all right? We left off there in chapter eight. Now, we're gonna pick up in Romans chapter 12. We're gonna skip over three chapters of the Bible. And here's why. Chapters nine, 10, and 11, um, they're, they're some of the most awesome you know, chapters in this book, but they're also some of the most confusing chapters in this, in, in this book. Uh, it covers stuff like you know, predestination and, and you know, who does God you know, pick to be saved and who does he, does, does he pick other people to not, to not be saved? And, and that's really, really confusing. So that's why I'm not gonna teach on that. Um, Scott is down on the other end of the building right now teaching on that because I just can't take the stress. All right, so if you want to talk about predestination and election and all that kind of stuff, just get your things and run down there right now. He's just getting, getting, getting started, all right? But um, we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 12. Now, this is a Christmas series, okay? So this is probably going to be unlike any other Christmas series. I, like you say, so why, are we going to talk about Bethlehem today? No, we're not. Angels, shepherds, wise men, the manger. We're not going to mention that, all right? Um, but, but that's what we heard about when we were little kids. I thought I was coming to Christmas, you know, like a Christmas service. I thought we'd sing some Christmas songs, and you talk about Jesus in a manger. Then we go get something to eat, go watch the Broncos win a game again, all right? And then, um, Tebow. Yeah, so anyway, that's it. Um, anyway, all right? We're not going to do that today. It's a Christmas series, but we're not going to do that today. Why? Two reasons. Um, this is flat irons. We don't do anything the normal way. Okay, that's, we're just weird. All right. But the other one is we're going to get in Romans chapter twelve, 
And I actually will, if you just give me some time, I'll, I'll tie in Christmas and baptism and Jesus, it'll all come together here in a minute. But we're gonna, we're gonna start in Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there are free Bibles in the back. Merry Christmas. There you go. So you have something for Christmas, all right? So uh, Romans chapter 12, and we're gonna go really slow today. We're gonna get all the way through one verse, all right? Sometimes we get through a chapter. Sometimes we'll breeze through a whole book. We're gonna get through one verse, really important verse. But we're gonna, we're gonna break it down. So Romans chapter 12, verse one, here we go. First word, therefore, all right, let's stop right there. I told you we're going to go really slow, all right? right. Therefore is a transitional word. It's it's, it's a transitional statement. It it links things together. And in this case, it links everything in the first 11 chapters with everything that we're about to talk about. It it links, um, it's like in in light of everything that's happened and in light of everything I just taught you and in light of everything that I've talked about Jesus therefore, and then here here, here we go. And you have therefore statements in, in your life all the time. Like some of you woke up this morning, your kid or, or your husband or your girlfriend, or whatever, they, 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 were, they were sick. And so you went, she has a fever. Therefore, we're going to the doctor. It's, right, so because of that, therefore, this. You know, some of you, like we're, after church, we're, we were, we were going to go to McDonald's, but I found 50 bucks in the parking lot. Therefore, we're going to Pizza Hut because it's better. You know, so we're just, we're doing that. You know, I just found out my in-laws are coming for Christmas. Therefore, I'll be drinking more over the holidays. Whatever that is for you. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not good. But anyway, um, it's like because of that or because this happened or it's going to happen, something like that, it's going to affect what comes after therefore. Does that make sense? That's really, really important. And that's what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 12. Let's get a little bit further into it. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, and don't get hung up on that, people, Christians, brothers, sisters, whatever, right? I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, let's stop there. Look at, look at that phrase, I urge you. And I urge you is more than therefore... I got an idea. Or therefore, I, I, I'm asking you, or I got a suggestion, or uh, come on, guys, pretty please, therefore, no. Well, what Paul's saying here is, is I, I want to tell you something. Therefore, I'm, I'm going to tell you, because of what happened, because of what I just taught you about Jesus, I'm telling you, and I can't make you, I can't, I can't force you to do anything, but if anything has sunk in about Jesus, if anything I've ta- taught you about, about God's mercy and love, and, and, and therefore, I, I urge you, if you really believe that God is committed to you, that he, that he demonstrated his willingness to lean in your direction, you know, you, and you can base that on Jesus. Here, here's, what I, here's what I'm telling you to do. This is just be a good thing to do, to, to offer your bodies. And you can put in other words there, to, to give your bodies, to, to present your bodies. Here it is, as living sacrifices. I'll talk about that in a second. And what kind of sacrifice? Holy and pleasing to God. And if you're taking notes and you circle, you know, the word bodies there in, in your Bible, right? Bodies is more than just phys- your physical body. You know, he's talking about more than, you know, you know like flesh and bone and hair for some of you, whatever, all right? He's talking about more than your, your, you offer your eyes and your mouth, you know, and he's talking about more than that. I mean, it certainly includes all of this. But when he, when he says, I, w- I want you to offer your bodies, what he's saying is, I want you to offer everything, all, all, all the parts of you. All right? And usually when we think about offering ourselves to God, we think it's just a spiritual thing. He said, I, I, want, I want you to give everything to you, to, 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 to God. So, so it includes your hands and, you know, and, and your feet. But how about this? Give to God, offer to God, present to God the part of you that tells your feet where to go and your hands what to do. If you'll give him that part, your hands and feet will go with that. Does that make sense? So, so God, you know, what else? Uh, give him your eyes and your mouth. But, but more than that, give, give him the part of you it tells your eyes what to look at. I think I'm going to look at that right now. It tells your mouth what to say. And Paul just knows that from Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, for out of the overflow of, of the heart, 
Your mouth speaks. And you know that's true. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, that's just true. At what's, whatever's going on inside, eventually, blah, here it comes. Whether you want it to or not, right? It's like you're, like, you're like, I'm biting my tongue, I'm biting my tongue. And then something happens, you're like, blah. And, you go, and there's part of you goes, I wish I could get that back. But you can't. You just showed all your cards, right? Because you showed what was in your heart. It just came out in an unguarded moment. Jesus knew that. So what Paul's saying, right, when you give yourself to God, he's not saying, hey, this New Year's, let's just make a resolution to cuss less and not look at porn so much. I mean, that's a good thing, but it's more than that. What, what comes out of our mouth, what we look at with our, with our eyes, it's just a symptom of, of this, right? So what if you gave the part of you that tells your eyes what to look at and, you know, tells your mouth what to say? All the parts of your body. And we, we can get really into graphic with this. This is, this is one of the, the verses that I was a high school and college pastor for like 20 years. And this is the verse when I get some guys in a room, high school, college guys, and we're going to talk about sexuality and how far is too far and all that kind of stuff. I would, I would use this about you need to give all of your parts to, to God. And, and I have to be really careful of that because the next, the next phrase is as living sacrifices. And all the dudes would go like, no, I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, I don't want to do this. That, does God want us to? No. That's not what he's saying, although if some guys in my youth group, that would have helped their life if they would have gone with that. But here's what, some of you don't get that. You'll get in the car like, oh, all right. So what, what Paul is saying is, I want you to give all your, all your parts of your body as a living sacrifice. What he's saying is, I don't want you to give that part or that part, that section of your life or that section. I, it's all, everything. And see, I, there's, I know we got a lot of Christians in this room, and a lot of us fall into different camps. Like some of us think that following Jesus is just a spiritual thing. It's personal. It's between me and God. It's, it's happening in my heart. And it is. And some of us are going, well, you know, be a Christian means you don't do this and you don't do that and you do that more and you go to buildings like this more often and stuff like that. It's, it's a physical thing. And, and, and it is. What it's not is either or. It's both. It's, it's both. It's spiritual and it's, and, and it's physical. And what, what Paul's wrote in, right in, in that first sentence is, therefore, based on everything that you've learned about Jesus, I'm telling you, in light, of, in light of God's proven level of commitment to you, I mean, he loves you. Just give him everything. You know, give, give him, uh, you know, hand over, uh, offer, you know. Hand, he, hey, God, here's the keys to my life. You drive. I keep trying to drive him, and I, you know, I end up in the ditch, or I, I end up lost or something like that. You drive. I'm giving you the keys to, to, to my life, all the parts of my life. And again, some of us, we immediately go to, oh, I do, I gave him my heart. What does that mean? To give him this, I mean, it's really easy. I, I, I am, well, I'm in church. That's the spiritual part, right? Well, okay. How about the other parts of your life? The, the big parts, like your, your relationships. Your life is made up of relationships. Have you given those relationships to God? What do you mean? Hey, husbands, the way you treat your wife, have you given that to God? Or is that you? Kids, the way you honor your mom, is that, yeah, God's in control of that. Or is, is that? Is that something else? Your physical life, right? Your, what you do with your body, what you put in your body, how you treat your body, how you treat somebody else's body. Definitely your sexuality, how and when you express you know, love and intimacy to, to that person. Is this the right time to do that? How I, when I accept that from another person? God, I want you to run that part of my life too. Here's a really touchy one. How about your financial life? Right? I mean, Jesus said that. I didn't say this. Jesus said your money and your heart are always in the same place. Jesus said that. So I can say, have you given Jesus your heart? Jesus would say, show me your checkbook and I'll know where your heart is. That's what Jesus would say. 
What, you're, what, you're, what, what he's saying is, have a conversation with God. It goes like this. God, I take all the parts of my life that you've given to me in the first place. Everything I am and have, you gave that to me. Here's what I'm deciding to do today. I'm giving them back to you. You can run them better anyway. I've given those parts of my life back to you. I, you've already proven that I can trust you. I mean, you didn't even hold back Jesus from me. So how about this? What do you want to do with this? Because it's yours. And, and, and you don't have to get morbid on this. God, God doesn't demand that we, we actually crawl on an altar and physically die for Jesus. I, I've heard that all my life. You know, I would die for my faith. Good. Oh, that's great. All right, it sounds very, very noble. Could I just be honest with you? Very few people in this room are going to have to die for their faith. I may be wrong on that. There may be a kook out there or something like that, right? Holds a gun to your head and says, you know, renounce Jesus. Or I mean, that might happen. It has happened. I, I, I get that. But most of us are not going to have to die for our faith, right? I think what God is saying is, I'm not really telling you to die for me. I, I want you to live for me. I actually want you to, to live your life in such a way, or the, the phrase Paul uses, I want you to live your life in view of, in confidence that I know who God is and I know who I am to God and I know I can trust him with all the parts of my life. So I'm gonna give myself kind of as a sacrifice to him. And then Paul uses two words to describe how I'm gonna do that. The first word he uses is holy. And that's a Bible word that gets tossed around a lot. You know, and it applies to God, but holy in terms of us, holy just translates this, set apart for God to use. So if something is holy, it's not because it's in a certain building. This building isn't holy. It's holy because we're worshiping God in it. It's, it's for God's usage, right? So that part of my life, I'm actually using, letting, allowing God to use. So it's holy. The other word he uses there is, is pleasing, holy and pleasing, which really means this. This is what God had in mind for this part of my life in the first place. So to give a part of your life back to God, you're saying, I want it to be holy. I want you to use it. And I want it to be pleasing. God, I want you to use this part of my life for the reason that you gave it to me. I want you to use my relationship with my girlfriend, my wife, my daughter, whatever that is. You gave that to me for a reason. I want to make sure I'm using that, that you're using that relationship for the reason that you gave that to me. I want you to use my job. I want you to use my family. I want you to use my ability. I want you to use my ability to throw a ball through or whatever. I want you to use that for, for a reason that you had in mind, and that's why you gave it to me. And then Paul uses this phrase to kind of wrap up this verse, right? He says, because this, this, everything I just talked about, th this is your spiritual act of worship. And I love that phrase. I said it real hard this week. Uh, it can be translated two different ways, and they're both true. All right? I get that all the time. Well, it depends on how you interpret it. No matter how you interpret this one, it's true. All right? And here's what I mean by that. Spiritual act of worship can be translated this way. Doing something physical for God could be received from God or by God as a spiritual act of worship. Doing something physical with this stuff, with your money, with your family, with whatever, that could be received from God as a spiritual act of worship, all right? And, and that makes sense. We talk a lot about that here at Flatirons. Like, like a couple months ago, we did a whole thing on justice and how God views the poor. James chapter one, verse 27, James writes this, pure and faultless worship that God's looking for. So God's, I mean, God, God, I'm sure God loved your singing today. I'm sure you got that's very nice, all right? I, I think God loves that you showed up. I think all that, okay? But when God's saying, here's the worship I'm looking for, here's what it is. To, pro to protect, to provide for, and to, to look after the needs of widows and orphans in their distress. You, you, you wanna know, I, how, how do you even worship God? See that widow over there that's not protected? See that orphan over there that doesn't have to take care of him? You go take care of that. And God goes, that's what, I, I like that better than your songs. That's what I'm looking for. In another place, chapter two of, of the book of James, uh, this is a really famous story, but he's, James is gonna throw out these, these, these questions. Answer them in your own head. 
I bet we'll all answer him the same way. He asks this, what good is it, my brothers, all right? So what good is it if a, if a man, if a person claims to have faith, oh, I believe in Jesus, and I go to church, and you know, I, I got baptized you know, three times, all right? So I, I, I have faith, all right? What good is all that but has no deeds? They don't do anything. Can, can such faith save him? Verse 15, suppose, he's going to give us a scenario here. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, all right? So let's say that after church today, all right, on your way home, you know, to get home in time for the ball game, all right, you're driving down the road and you look over and they're in a snowdrift. Someone has just dumped a baby out there, okay? So you look over there at this, at this, at this little, little baby, has no clothes, obviously has not eaten in a while, but you, know, you got your family there or maybe your small group's all going to Chili's or something like that, all right? And you look out there and like, we're Christians, what should we do, all right? Verse 16, somebody has an idea. If one of you says to him, to, to the baby in the snowdrift, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, Good luck to you, all right? But does nothing about his physical needs. What good is that? Well, it's good for you. I feel so good. I, I prayed, all right? I, you know, we, we gathered around him. We, we said, yeah, for he's a jolly good fellow. Whatever that is, you know, we prayed, God, you're God of the universe. You can create food. Make that baby not feel hungry. You control the weather. Warm that baby up. You can do all that. Then he went to Chili's. What good is that? None, especially if you're the baby, Right? Verse 17, in this exact same way, in the same way, faith, I believe in Jesus, by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is what? Dead. It's dead. It doesn't mean anything. But someone will say, so someone will throw this out. You have faith, you believe in Jesus, I, I, I have deeds. Meaning, I don't have anything to do with God, but I'm at least trying to make a difference in the world. Here's kind of the, the response to that. Show me your faith without deeds. Try. Try to show me your faith in Jesus. Try to get any traction in this world by talking about Jesus without any deeds. Just try it, all right? And I, I'll show you my faith. I'll show you what I think about God and what he thinks about that baby in the ditch. I'll show you that by what I do. Do. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, see, whether you eat or drink, so he's just built this whole case about, are we allowed to eat this? Are we allowed to drink this? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory or the worship of God. So this idea of, of using your physical, you know, daily life, doing something, kind of as giving it or, or being received from God as, as, as true worship, it's is, is very, very, it's on target. That's what we should do. The other way to interpret that, this is your spiritual act of worship, could be this, and I love this. It could be interpreted this. This is your reasonable service. This is your reasonable worship. And the idea here is this, it's like, think about it. Think about it, therefore, after everything that we talked about, all right, if God really does love you as much as he says he loves you, in view of how God says life works best, in view of what he's promised to do for you and, and in you and through you, isn't it just reasonable? Doesn't it just make sense? Isn't it just logic to look at God and go, you pretty much ought to run that part of my life if you really are that much for me? I mean, if you are who you say you are, if God really is for me, if you will do what he promises to do, I mean, the smart thing to do would be run that part of my life. I'm giving that to you, all the parts of my life. And now I'm gonna tie all this together. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna tie in Christmas and everything, all right? Here's what I mean. This Christmas, we're all about, you know, going shopping and what, right? God doesn't want you to do something for him this Christmas. God doesn't want you to give him something this Christmas. I mean, what would you give to God? Romans chapter 11 actually ends this way. Who could give anything to God that he doesn't already have? I mean, think about it. Talking about shopping for the person who has everything. I don't know. iPod? You know, no, I don't. You know, God, God has everything. What, what could you possibly give to God? God doesn't want you to give him a present. What's this? He actually wants you to give him your 
presence. He wants you. He, he, he wants you. And if he has you, then everything you do and everything you say and everything you are and everywhere you go goes with you. And that's your gift to God. That's, that's your act of worship. Holy, this is, this is for God, and pleasing, this is what it was meant for. He wants you. And when he has you, here comes your family and your relationships. Here comes you know, your, your job. Here comes what you do after, after church this afternoon. This is how you treat your wife. This is how you treat your kids. This is how you, how you spend your money. It all comes with you. So here's the, kind of the, the twist in this whole thing. Does he have you? Does he have you? And I've been raised in church. I've got all the Christian bumper sticker language down. I mean, I know every Christian cliche there is. And I've, had the, I've heard this tossed around all of my life. You know, Christians look at each other and they ask questions like this. Do you have God in your life? Do you have Jesus in your heart? And those are great questions. And they're really good questions. And I've, I've, I've asked people that question and I've, and I've been asked that question. And that's good. I'm not, I'm not slamming that at all. I just think a better question would be this. Does God have you? Does God have you? I mean, usually the question that we, and every prayer is, Here, God, here's what I, I need you to do for me today. That's most of my prayer life, just being honest with you. Change this, fix that, make her do that over there. She doesn't want to do it, but you can do it, God. All right, I need you to do that for me. Very rarely do I, I ask God this, what do you want me to do? I'm very clear on what I want God to do. Very rarely do I say, God, what do you want me to turn over to you? Have you given him your life? All the parts of your life, not just the spiritual parts. All, all, all of your life. And there's a, I guess there's a couple different re- ways that you could kind of you know, answer that. You're like, well, yeah, I think, I think so. I believe the whole Jesus thing on the cross. I think that after I die, I, I, my sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven. That's great. That's not the question I'm asking though. So from your death on, you're fine. Funeral service on, it's all good, okay? I'm not talking about that. And here's why I'm not talking about that. I don't plan on dying today. Now, there may be some things that I don't know about that maybe you do or, you know, things may go south later this afternoon or something like that. I plan on sticking around several more days, weeks, months, hopefully decades. Uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. I don't plan on dying. So, so after you die, you're taken care of. That's not what I'm asking. Have you given him your life from this moment up to your funeral? Have you given that to him? And let's get back to this. Husbands, the way you treat your wife and, and, your, and your family the way you treat your ex-wife. Have you given that to God? Does he own that? Or is that you? The way you run your business. The way you honor your parents. And we get even more specific, all right? So he says, give, 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 you know, give God, offer God your body. So let's just go get some body, all right? Body parts, like, 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 like your eyes. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not just talking about, you know, you shouldn't you know, look at porn and you shouldn't lust. It's like, and we shouldn't, but let's just take it to another level. It's Christmas. You know, over the past several years, this, this community, Flatirons, God has used this place in, in, in amazing ways. We have, over the last couple of years, we have partnered with different local organizations, you know, you know Habitat for Humanity and, and food, you know, pantries and, and stuff down in Denver and things like that. And we, we've, we've hooked families up with, with families that don't have anything that, so that we can have food and toys and gifts and stuff at Christmas time. And that's all good. Please do that. Hopefully you're, you're, you're doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. We should do that more. I, I hope you do that more. I hope every time you walk in Walmart, you, I got changed, and you put it in the bread bucket there with the bell guy. I, I, I hope you do that. Please keep on doing that. But, but we want to take it to a different level. And over the last several years, we've been simply kind of standing up here and, and going, just open your eyes. Uh, open your eyes, all right? Uh, just see, see people the way God sees them. Because here's what we've discovered, and this didn't take a lot of study. You know, people need to be loved all year long, not just December, right? 
Last year we used the language uh, to describe that as Christmas on another level or coal. And the idea was just look around. You don't need flat irons or Scott or I to say, here's what I want everybody to do. You don't need an angel to appear in your driveway and go, there's a family down there that didn't have any food. Open your eyes. Give, give him your eyes and see the, 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 the lady at work that, that you know, wears sunglasses in the middle of the night because the black eye. Open your eyes and look at her. The, the kid who, who, who comes to your class you know, in, in fifth grade, just look at what, what does he need? You don't need some church to organize something for you to do. Just open your eyes and do what God tells you to do. That's why, that's why here's, I told you we were a weird church. We, we don't do food drives in November and December. Everybody does food drives and everybody's handing out turkeys in November and December. We do a food drive in August. You know why? Ask any doctor. This is true. People get hungry in the summer too. That's why, Sensei. I know, I know. It's just very, very wise, all right? So, so we, you know, we, we stock food pantries in the summer. They're fine right now. Well, what, about, what about this summer? See, and, the, and it goes on and on. Open your eyes. You can get on flatironschurch.com, click on coal, and you'll just see a list of things that people in this room are actually doing as they open their eyes and go, God's kind of showing our family that this would be a great act of worship to take care of that, to hand out that, to do that. Not because the church or Jim told us that's what we should do. She says, it's just an act of worship, so that's what we're gonna go do. Or, or how about this? You know, go back to those verses in James. You know, James is trying to say, this is what it looks like for a person that doesn't just talk about Jesus, but actually believes him. Has Jesus living inside of him? What, what kind of stuff do they do? Remember that? Dude, do people who love Jesus believe God loves the poor? Yeah, do you guys believe that? Yes, Jim, we believe that. Great, all right, great. Do, do you pray for poor people? Sometimes we do that, all right? Do, 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 you, do you have great feelings, warm, fuzzy feelings about holiday wishes for the poor this year? Yes, I hope, I hope things work out for them. Do we sing Christmas songs about how Jesus came to help the poor? Yeah, we, we probably do. Is that it? Is that it? Because that doesn't help any poor people. Singing the songs never helped a person. It's like, well, that's true. This guy's smart. I know, all right? But, but here's the thing is, it has to be more than that. Because we believe that God loves the poor, here's what we do, or here's what we need to do. We need to pray for the poor, then we need to get up off our knees and off our butts, and we need to walk out of this room, rip out our, our checkbook and, and our wallet, and if we see a hungry person, we should feed them. If we see an, uh, a person that's, that's just lonely, we should spend time with them. If we see somebody that's in, in, in trouble, you know, we, 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 should, we, we should take care of them. If we see an orphan over there that doesn't have, any, doesn't have anybody to protect him or her, we should protect him or her. At our own cost. So, so let's go back to this, all right? When Paul says, in view of what God's done for you, I want you to give all of yourself to him. Does that include, here it is, ready? Your money, and I'm not talking about the offering here at Flatirons. Just put that over there. I mean, as you go through your Christmas budget, did Jesus make the list? Because at my house, usually, he gets the leftovers, right? But Jesus said, well, that, that just shows where your heart is. That's very convicting to me. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. It's very convicting to me. See, there are hundreds of ways you can worship God by taking, taking way, care of orphans and widows. We are surrounded by people in need all the time. I'll tell you the easiest way. The, the easiest way is walk out those doors here in a few minutes. There are a bunch of tables out there with, 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 with hats and, and DVDs and, and beads on them. And, and we're selling. They were made by people, by, 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 by the poor, all right? And, and, and Barak Ab, uh, we we're building a town there for, for, for refugees who, who got bombed out. And they're just, they're just trying to get their lives back together. Musana has it's got 80 to 160 of these, these, these kids who don't have a mom and dad. And we're, we're taking care of them. All the money from that stuff out there goes for them. There's DVDs out there our children's ministry made. It all goes to widows and orphans. Now I'm gonna make you really mad. We're out of beads. Uh, hold, wait for it, all right? Uh, we have a thousand more pairs coming from Uganda this week, all right? So 
Hopefully, that's the plan anyway. So if you don't go out there and, you know, my wife's behind that thing. And if you meet her, then it will not be good for you. Anyway, so anyway, so, um, <laughs> but let's not talk about money, all right? Because that's a really convicting. Like, move on to something else. How about your time? That's no less convicting. I don't have enough of either. Do you? Money or, or time. But I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of how much God loves you and has leaned in your direction, I urge you to rearrange your time this Christmas. And I'll give you an easy expression of worship. It's so easy that you can offer as, as an act of worship to God on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve, not the other 364 days of the year, just one day, all right? 13 days from now is Christmas Eve. Oh, all right, all right, so 13 days. So, so we're not having services on Christmas morning. We are having four services on, on, on Christmas Eve, one, three, five, and, and seven, okay? Um, we're expecting somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people to cram into this room, all right? Which is awesome. What if... One time, you, you signed up to help. You said, well, I don't do that. I don't, I don't sign up. What, but what if one time you said, I, I'll help in the parking lot. I won't do it the following week or the next week or the next week. Or none of, I, I just, I'll do it one time. If you really want to spiritualize it, dress up like a shepherd or, you know, or something like that and keep watch over your flock of Toyotas, whatever, whatever that is. You know, but <laughs> what if just one time you go, you know, we're not going to volunteer the other, the other part of the year, but we're going to do Christmas Eve because it's Jesus' birthday. What about that? What, what if, you know, I hear this all the time. You know, Christmas is all about the kids. It's all about children. And I, I, I'm all for that. How about this? Uh, on Christmas Eve, why don't you volunteer at one of our, our four services and take care of our kids? If it's all about kids, why don't you go rock one of those Christmas babies? Like, oh, I don't, know, I don't know about that. How about this? I'll put a little pressure on you. Mary gave birth in a barn. Suck it up. Volunteer. There you go. All right. So, and I, I, love, I love the way Scott says this. He goes, Scott doesn't like the, 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 the song uh, Silent Night because he says, think about it. There, it wasn't silent. And if you work in our children's ministry, you go, it wasn't silent at all. You know, so, uh, so you can go in there and sing Silent Night and then whatever. All right. So anyway, he said, well, you're just using spiritual language to pressure us into volunteering. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm very honest about it. I, I would promise you brownie points in heaven if I was in charge of that. It just doesn't work that way. I will say this, if you volunteer around here anytime, but especially this Christmas Eve, in our guest services, handing out programs, whatever that is, you know, taking care of babies, I, I can't promise it'll have any effect on whether you go to heaven or not. I can't promise you this, it might make a difference in somebody else, if somebody else does. And here's what I mean by that. This is some of your stories. This is how you got here. And some of you are in the middle of this story right now. For the last several weeks and months, you've been trying to work up the courage because there's this guy or this guy you're dating. It's, it's your husband. It's your, it's your dad. It's a, this, this, this guy at school. It's this, this girl that you work with, whatever. You've been trying to, you know, find an opportunity to invite him to come to church. But it's going to be really, really weird. And you don't know how it's going to go. So you've been, you know, you've gotten there almost and went... And then you choke and then you go off, all right? But in the next few days, you're actually going to do it. You're going to blurt it out. You're going to walk up to this person and go, do you want to go to Christmas Eve service with me at Flatirons? And, and you're going to wait for it. And then they're going to look back at you and blow your mind and go, all right, all right. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time, I'll go one time. If you'll just get off my back the rest of the, all right, all right. Here, I'll give you a Christmas present. I'll bribe you. Just come with me. I think Jesus is fine with that. But here, here's the thing is, when you, I do, I actually do. But anyway, that's something else. But when, you, when you're about to ask somebody to come to Flatirons with you, here's what you're praying in the back of your mind. God, make this work. Make this work. Make this work. All right, please make them say yes. Just make them say yes, all right? And the moment they say yes, your prayer changes from, oh, God, make Flatirons work <laughs> the right way for once. Please, all right? And, and, and what you mean is, God, I, I know the, the parking lot's crazy every other week, but could you just make it work this time? God, I know you can do all things. You open up a red sea and people walk through it. Just open up one space for my friend because here's the thing is we're gonna circle the lot one time and if there's not a space, he's gonna say, I'm out of here. 
I need you to make the parking lot work. You're God. Will you make that happen? What, what, what they're actually saying is, I need a bunch of volunteers to go out there and make sure it's not crazy. Here's, here's what I know is going to happen on Christmas Eve. People are going to come here for the first time. They're going to walk up to a kid's room. They're going to be told, you can't come in because it's full. We don't have enough leaders. Somebody's praying, oh, if I bring my friend and they've got a, you know, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and they're going to come up there and they're going to be told no. They're going to go get in their car and go, this is my problem with Jesus. So could we just make sure there's enough people to take care of all those kids in there? What, what, what if, all right? What if by volunteering one time, I'm not talking about the whole year, just one time, you help make someone feel welcome. Helping them find a parking place. Hand them a program, smiling at them in a non-weird religious way. You know what I'm talking about, right? right? <laughs> Bless you, brother. What does that mean, all right? So... Um, what, what if you just welcome somebody the way you wish somebody would have just said hi to you when the first time you came in here? Well, what if you helped out in kids' ministry for one, one, one service? Not even, it's not even about the kids. What, what if you held somebody's kid or took care of them and said, you, you go in there, and some single parent comes in here and gets a breath for, for an hour? Or some couple that in their own minds, they've already decided as soon as January, as soon as we get through New Year's, I'm, I'm calling a lawyer and I am out of here. I haven't told you about that yet, but they've already had that conversation in their head. What if you said, I got your kid, you go in there and you, you sit down? And you just, you just listen, listen to God. And, and here's the thing is, if you would do that, you, you would play just as an important role as Scott or me or anybody up here on stage in somebody bumping into Jesus, maybe for the first time. And you don't think about it. You've got to take it to a higher level, right? You've got to open your eyes and give all the parts of your life light up to God. God, I'll work a parking lot. If that means that somebody can come in here and sit down and find out that God doesn't hate them in spite of everything they've done in their life. Hey, actually, they could sit in here and, and she could find out that God loves her that God's on their side, that he can help them in their weakness. They don't have to be good or, or try harder, that Jesus died for them, that life is better and could be very different if they just let Jesus come and live inside of them. That's what we're talking about. That's what happens when people who claim to believe in Jesus give their lives to Jesus, to be used by Jesus for other people. But here's the thing is, please do that, but, but I don't want anybody to miss this. This is not about, I need you guys to volunteer. This is not about buying stuff out there in the lobby. This isn't about giving turkeys and, 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 and toys to needy families this Christmas. I, I hope all that happens. But it's possible to do all of that. It's possible to give money to the poor and buy hats and beads for widows and orphans and you know, buy that DVD and the proceeds go to that kid in Africa. It's possible to park cars and rock babies on Christmas Eve. It's possible to do all of that and miss the main thing. God's not waiting on you. He doesn't even need you to do anything. There's nothing you could give him. None of that makes any sense if you don't answer this. Are you willing to give him you? Because all that other stuff, that follows, that comes with you. Are you willing to give him you? And that's why I love Baptism Weekend, because Baptism Weekend, is, it, it's all about answering that question. Yeah, all of me. Baptism is, is it's, again, we come from different backgrounds and stuff like that, but, but, but here's the thing. Baptism was Jesus' idea. Jesus said, listen, when you come to a place where you believe, I mean, a lot of us are raised different ways. We got baptized or sprinkled or something like that. That's all good, all right? But what Jesus says, when you come to a place where you believe, you take ownership of your faith. Your grandma drug you off. Your mom put guilt trips on you and stuff like that. But over the last weeks and months, it's kind of been, God's been doing something in your head. And you're like, I believe. It's my faith now. Jesus said, when, when you come to that place, I want you to be baptized. An outward demonstration that I'm in you. All of you. The other thing I love about baptism is Jesus could have picked anything, you know. He could have said climb a mountain or climb a tree or turn around three times. He could have done anything. He says, I want you to be dunked in water. And then water, just think about the symbolism of that. Water doesn't, you know, take your sins away. Jesus takes your sins away, but doesn't it feel good to get cleaned up and take a bath sometimes? And water kind of just symbolizes I'm clean. Not because of water, because, because of Jesus. 
We baptize by immersion here, all right? It means we go all the way under. And it's all of me. You're going to get in there in a minute, and all of you is getting wet. And it's kind of symbolic of he, all of me. I wanted to have all of me. It's a very humbling experience. Come in front of about 2,000, maybe 3,000 people and say, I'm going to get dunked in a tank of water. What about my hair? You know, all that kind of stuff. It's very humbling. How about you give him your pride? Some of you are really nervous about getting in front of being there. I'm going to be on the, the, you know, the, the screen, stuff like that. Give him your fear. If you can conquer this, it's amazing what you could do out there with Jesus in your life. More than anything, baptism is just answering that question. Have I given myself to him? You can answer that in your heart and you can make it just a spiritual thing like that. But God says, take it in our demonstration. Hey, dads, you want to set a great example for your family? Moms, you want to set a great example for your daughter? Look at her right now and go, I'm, I'm going to do this. And here's the questions that come up. Well, I, I didn't really come prepared to be baptized. I, I, are there robes? <laughs> no, we're not that place. All right, so we just get baptized in our clothes here. But it's, but it's cold outside. It's all right. You'll probably live. Yeah, so you'll be fine. And, and like we say all the time, you'll go to heaven if you die. So it's fine, you know. So um, there's extra towels. There's extra, you know, T-shirts. There's all that kind of stuff. And, well, who will baptize me? Um, we have, I got some staff down here and they'll baptize you, but here's what I would recommend. Look at the person that's sitting near you right now and go, you know, you played a really important role in me kind of bumping back into Jesus. Would you at least go down there with me? And I, I bet they'll say yes. I, I, I really do. I, I've never heard of anybody going, no, I will not do that for you. You know, I, I, I just never, ever, ever heard that. Here's, here's how we're going to do that. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing three or four or five songs. We'll be out here by Bronco time, I promise, all right? If you get baptized, they'll win. No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, I'm just kidding on that. Just, we'll edit that out, okay, of the online stuff. But anyway, um, so, um, <laughs> anyway, so here's what we're going to do. After I say amen, if you want to get baptized, and about half the people, several hundred people gotten baptized this morning and last night, but uh, about half the people that get baptized every, every time we do baptism weekend, they didn't come in here planning on it. So if that's you, we're going to sing three songs. Don't wait till the third song, you know, just, just come on, all right? And uh, line up along those outside walls. Bring the people that are with you, with you, and then there's some space down here that stays all the way to the cameras and they take pictures and stuff of you. But um, really, really, really glad that you're here. The question is, um, I know you have Jesus in your heart. I know the, you, you, you love God. The question is, does he have you? And baptism is what Jesus gives us to say he does. Let's stand up, let me pray, and then uh, we'll have a party. Here we go. God, I love you so much. Uh, thank you for baptism. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for Christmas. It's all about the same thing. I want you to have all of my life. I need you to lead my life. I need you to forgive my broken parts of my life. I need you to heal up the, the parts of my life that I don't know how to fix. I need you to live inside of me and become the man or woman that I, that I was always meant and created to be. I just don't know how to get there. But with you in me, maybe I have a shot. God, I pray that this morning would be a, a time of healing in our hearts, healing in our relationships, healing in our families. I pray that you would protect us as we get up out of this room and, and we go. And we try to follow you because we now are seeing people and seeing situations through your eyes. I pray for widows and orphans in Afghanistan and, and in, in Africa and right here in, in, in Colorado. I pray that you would use this community to make a difference. That we take our faith and we go do something with it. Make a difference in the world. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.